Oh, Agent Starling, you think you can dissect me with this blunt little tool? No. I, I thought that your knowledge... You're so ambitious, aren't you? Do you know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a rube. A well-scrubbed, hustling rube with a little taste. Good nutrition's given you some length of bone, but you're not more than one generation from poor wire trash, are you, Agent Starling? And that accent you've tried so desperately to shed, pure West Virginia. You know how quickly the boys found you, all those tedious, sticky fumblings in the backseats of cars while you could only dream of getting out, getting anywhere, getting all the way to the end. Hey everyone, welcome to The Boot! That's right! It's The Boot! We are recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to eat our vital organs! Guys, I'm Brian Flynn and the maniac next to me in the cell to the left is Kenna Trent. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, Kenna, how are you? <laughs> I think the real question is, how are you? I'm doing fine. All right, guys, I have a cold this week, so... Um, Brian's just going to breathe directly into Mike yeah, the whole time. I'm just going to power through, so uh, bear with me here. Ken and I are doing the 1991 horror classic Silence of the Lambs, directed by Jonathan Demme. Silence of the Lambs stars Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, Ted Levine, Scott Glenn, and Brooke Smith. Before Ken and I get into our recast of the top five characters from this movie as if the movie was being remade today... We're going to get into some reboot news because we got a couple of tidbits to get through. And I mean, I know I'm sick now, but I'm even more sick as I'm reading this bit of news. Yeah. Universal sets David Gordon Green to quarterback Friday Night Lights film. Ugh, why? I don't know. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Stronger Helmer David Gordon Green is negotiating to direct a new film for Universal Pictures based on Friday Night Lights. The 2004 film based on Buzz Bissinger's nonfiction book that captured the glory, heart, sweat, heartbreak, and pressure that goes into small-town America's obsession with high school football each fall Friday night. Brian Grazer will produce for Imagine Entertainment, as he did on the original film. Hacksaw Ridge scribe Robert... Shekin Khan? Shekin? Huh, that's weird. Shekin penned the new installment. Yeah, as we said before, why? This is one of my favorite, favorite television shows. Top five favorite television mm -hmm. shows. And the movie's incredible too, so why? So soon after, I mean... I have not seen this movie. I have not uh, watched this TV show. But it feels still so in the zeitgeist like people still talk about it's it would be like if you if you remade i don't know like lost now right you can't do that kyle chandler and connie Britton. i don't think of them as any other people like when i see them when i saw like kyle chandler and bloodline i'm just like why would coach murder all these <laughs> that's people not, that's not what he does or, or like connie Britton. like anytime i see connie Britton, i'm just like that's tammy taylor like but, they're so iconic and everyone who watched friday night lights the tv show knows this and the show has like launched careers of some of the largest stars today and some of the most mediocre let's talk let's talk about <laughs> who you really want to talk about well okay michael b jordan okay yeah a number one superstardom jesse plemons probably like close number two yeah yeah, yeah. is taylor kitsch a star <laughs> he is to me <laughs> he is to me but this just doesn't make we any could, sense. We like, could make why? an entire podcast series about is Taylor Kitsch a star? But, okay, you will love Friday Night Lights. I think both the movie and the show. Probably more the show than the movie. 
I I don't think I've watched a more heartwarming, heart wrenching show since the first three episodes of Friday Night Lights season one. Wow. And anyone who's seen the show is probably along with me. Every man at some point in his life is going to lose a battle. He's going to fight and he's going to lose. But what makes him a man is that in the midst of that battle, he does not lose himself. This game is not over. This battle is not over. So let's hear it one more time. Together. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go! What's so strange about Friday Night Lights... Friday Night Lights? What's so <laughs> strange about Friday Night Lights in terms of being an iconic show is that it also lives in a time of pop culture known as the writer's strike. So it right. also has that, like season two that everyone kind of like remembers is why did the show veer <laughs> off the cliff near death? So I just don't like why I don't know how I'm going to feel about this new movie. It's such a big why. Like what, what do we need this for right now? We don't. I think a better move would be to continue the TV show. To just continue it? Not reboot it. Set it after season five to give back to like all these fans like myself who have invested a lot of their time in this particular universe of Friday Night Lights. But here's a very serious question. Would this show be about a new set of high schoolers or would it be about these same kids who are now living adult lives? Because that is a terrible show. Um, You would have to be all new kids, but who would the coach be? And that's essentially Taylor a, Kitsch. That's essentially, Tim Riggins comes back, and he has to. You that's know, essentially a reboot. But like, like, who are you going to get? Who are you going to get to fill these the coach's shoes? I have no idea. It's hard because like you haven't seen it. Like, yeah, I love I have no like Kyler Chandler. Yeah, I love Kyle Chandler because of Coach Taylor. Like, I don't really give a crap about uh, Billy Bob Thornton's coach. He was a little more aggressive. He's the movie, right? Yeah. I don't really give a crap about Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> All right. Well, How's that for you? Let's Ooh. see if we get through this. Okay. Uh, up next, the official Predator teaser trailer brings the hunt to suburbia. There's an exclamation point at the end of that. Yeah, that was so weird. 30 years after fan fave The Monster Squad, Fred Decker and Shane Black are back this year for another monster movie, this time turning their attention to 20th Century Fox's The Predator. The hunt comes to suburbia in the franchise's first new installment in nearly 10 years. From the outer reaches of space to the small town streets of suburbia, The Hunt comes home in Shane Black's explosive reinvention of The Predator series. Now, the universe's most lethal hunters are stronger, smarter, and deadlier than ever before, having genetically upgraded themselves with DNA from other species. When a young boy accidentally triggers their return to Earth, only a ragtag crew of ex-soldiers and a disgruntled science teacher can prevent the end of the human race. Someone or something tore them to pieces. I think they're attempting hybridization. They're upgrading on every planet they visit. We need to know if you pose a threat. We're assassins. Isn't posing a threat kind of the point? I watched this trailer. I have no idea what the tone of this movie is supposed to be. It starts out a little Stranger Thingsy. Yeah. And then it rolls into full on like alien action movie. Yeah. But it, like they don't seem like they exist in the same world. Also, I was shocked that it didn't take place at Christmas because Shane Black is like notorious to set all his films in Christmas. <laughs> at Christmas. 
Yeah, I agree that I do. I don't really know because it sort of seems like they're being a little tongue in cheek about it. Mm-hmm. Like there's some funny moments in the trailer, but then there is also this super intense, like gut busting action. So I don't really know what they're anticipating to do. Also, like Keegan Michael Key is in this movie, right? It, is he the disgruntled science teacher? Because he looks more like the no, a I soldier. Think, I think that's Olivia Munn. She's the disgruntled science teacher. There's just something super weird about it, about seeing little Jacob Tremblay (laughs) take apart the Predator's like arm band and be like, it's a spaceship. Like, is he that young? Were you a big Predator fan? I'm going to be honest. I really like the first movie. I'm not sure I've ever seen any of the sequels. I don't think I have either. I think I've seen parts of Alien versus Predator, which was really bad. The parts I saw. Maybe maybe I have not seen this movie, but I remember it as being surprisingly decent in the way that like Freddy versus Jason is a bad movie, but just you get to see these two characters team up. Yeah. I'm going to see this because I'm a big fan of Shane Black. Weirdly, like he has yet to disappoint me in a lot of like Nice Guys probably was surprisingly my favorite movie of that year. I think there was a 2015. I still need to see that. It's so fun. And then like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is like one of the best like pulp like noir comedies i mean is that even a genre i have no idea but that movie basically gave him iron man 3 which is might also be i mean it is a great comedy which is like shocking for like a superhero movie how how funny it is i think now marvel's like oh yeah let's just like throw as many jokes as we can but oh you meant at the time i was like um have you seen them try to (laughs) hamfist uh (laughs) jokes into every movie yeah they own the place um, yeah, 100% I'm going to see this movie. I mean, I saw the super terrible previous installment of uh, the Predator series, Predators. <laughs> I'm going to ruin the movie for you. Topher Grace is a serial killer, and it is the weirdest twist ending to a movie ever. Is that the one with Adrian Brody? Yeah. And like they're all just like they end up on a planet. And they have to figure out like why they all got there. And Topher Grace yeah. is all like innocent and they're like, you're not a bad guy. And then at the end, he's like, yeah, I killed everybody. I guess now you realize why they chose me. See back home. I'm a murderer. I'm a freak. But here, among the monsters, I'm normal. I like it here. It's super weird, but I, I, I'm always game for, I, I said this this week when we were talking about it, the synopsis of this movie sounds like a bad predator sequel that would have been made in the eighties, which I think is what they're going for. Yeah. And so I, I just hope that we, in a world that is like, give us the gritty reboot, give us the weird origin story is just going to be able to accept a, f- a fun ride. Cause that sort of seems like what this is going to be. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, wait to see what happens when it comes out. Guys, let's get into this reboot of silence of the lambs. We got a couple rules as always. Kenna, as always, this is a podcast best listened to with an open IMDb. We may talk about some people that you've never heard of and you're going to want to look them up. We will be talking about a movie that you may not have seen. So if you haven't seen it, pause us right now and go watch it. And I know you're scared. Just don't watch it at night because it's not watch it with people because it's not really that scary, uh, but it might freak you out. Uh, Rule number one, no remakes, reboots or long lost sequels. We cannot do a movie 
that has already been redone in the last 20 years. This includes franchises like Star Wars that just pop back up with sequels and offshoots every few weeks at this point. Also, we set a new rule for ourselves that if a remake has been rumored for more than two years with no forward movement, it's fair game. Rule number two. No imaginary casting. Our dream cast must be made up of actors that are alive and working today. Rule number three, no tender casting. We can't cast someone just based on how they look. Doesn't matter how creepy they are. You have to have seen their work and be able to vouch for their talent. Now, guys, I know what you just heard rule number one, and I feel like we should explain why we get to do this one. It's because uh, although NBC had the critical raved Hannibal, uh-huh. they never got to do this part of the Hannibal Lecter book series. The, I think this is something that we haven't really talked about, but it's sort of it's sort of a weird loophole to this rule, which is that there are so many movies that exist in a world of their own with each installment. So take, I mean, take any series like this where they consistently recast actors and just create a new world around it. Like, it's a series in name and in property, but is it really... A sequel. Like, I feel like we can do this movie because this movie stands alone in a in its space and time. I think the only thing that might bother our audience is that Anthony Hopkins, who won an Oscar for this movie. Um, Congratulations. <laughs> he plays, he reprises his role. Yeah. Thereby linking all three movies. Okay. If that's you, if you're bothered by that. Well, let's talk about it. <laughs> Guys, this is the reboot of Silence of the Lambs. You still wake up sometimes, don't you? Wake up in the dark and hear the screaming of the lamb. Yes. And you think if you save poor Catherine, you could make them stop, don't you? You think if Catherine lives, you won't wake up in the dark ever again to that awful screaming of the lambs? I don't know. I don't know. Did you watch the show Hannibal? I didn't, and uh, it, it really frustrates me because I think I would really love it. But it's a little bit difficult to find oh online yeah and um which i need to double check because i don't think it's on like amazon or hulu or any of those currently but um yeah i think it i think it was really well cast and i should watch it because i think i would really i think i would really enjoy it in ways that maybe people who were expecting something different might not have Watched the first two seasons i was trying to get through season three as they were coming out but i kind of fell away from it it's amazing it's shot beautifully it's horrifying Mm -hmm. and i i love how you're right it's it's really well cast Mm -hmm. so when we were doing this i was like man mads mickelson is a really good choice really good choice and really makes you forget about anthony hopkins because in and i didn't remember this you know rewatching the movie version is that anthony hopkins is kind of playing it a little too uh big you think he's a little too broad? I I don't know. It's like everything is like, look how weird I am. Look how like creepy I am. Whereas in the show, mm-hmm. because it's starting so early in the character's uh, story. story, he's not that way. Mm-hmm. He's charming. He's definitely is calculating, but he's not like a boogeyman. In fact, you were rooting for him most of the time. So it was really strange to come back to... Sir Anthony Hopkins, you know, his Who little... made the conscious decision only to blink when he wanted to. Right. And like <laughs> that and like his little lizard lick that he does, you know. Can you do it? Do it right now. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> there's no moisture in my mouth right now, but generally I feel like I could. But, you know, like 
it was weird because it was like, oh, like you can play Hannibal a lot of different ways, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's brilliant in it, but it's also like I had fun finding someone. I actually think I'm very excited to say who I picked because I think you're going to have a conniption. I think you're either going to love it. Oh, my God. Or you're going to be insulted that I put him there. I got to say, honestly, there are two names on my Hannibal Lecter list that I am still, like, torn between. It's going to be a at the final buzzer thing. Oh, quick decision kind because of. Because like- I, like, I am really having trouble. That was one part that I my list is super long. Yeah. And... Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. All right. So I think we mentioned this earlier. The characters we're going to do are Clarice Starling, played by Jodie Foster, Hannibal Lecter, played by Anthony Hopkins, Buffalo Bill, played by Ted Levine, uh, Catherine Martin, played by Brooke Smith, and Jack Crawford, played by Scott Glenn. So um, who wants to go first for Clarice? I'll go. Okay. Here's the thing about Clarice. They attempted to recast her for future installments. But Jodie Foster is this character. Her, like, her personality, the way she plays the character is the character. Any other version of that is just an attempt to mimic what she did flawlessly. Because she's so cool. Like, the whole thing about how, like, they give her the rules and she goes in and she's obviously terrified because it's terrifying. But she doesn't look scared even when he's clearly got the upper hand and taking advantage of her. Like, she never bats an eye. Dr. Lecter, my name is Clarice Starling. May I speak with you? May I see your credentials? Certainly. That expires in one week. You're not real FBI, are you? I'm still in training at the Academy. Jack Crawford sent a trainee to me. Yes, I'm a student. I'm here to learn from you. Maybe you can decide for yourself whether or not I'm qualified enough to do that. That is rather slippery of you, Agent Starling. And it's so cool because you're like, I want to be I want to be this person. Yeah, I mean, there's sort of one real moment of weakness and you she makes sure that she doesn't show it until she's out of the asylum. Yeah. Away from people who can see her. Yeah. I mean, if that have i'm not should we mention what happens or should i just I mean, kind of gloss you, over you it you watched the movie if that happened to me oh i would i would freak flip. out in the moment i would have like a panic attack you're right but you're right like she keeps it together mm-hmm. even when like after that and hannibal's calling her back and is just like giving her clues and like telling her like follow this path follow this path yeah she's just kind of like a rock which is exactly what clarice needs to be yeah. to save these women from this serial killer yeah it's just and <laughs> even like one of my I I really loved this movie as I was watching uh-huh. it. Um, I was just like, this movie is phenomenal from minute one because everything is just so, every choice is so phenomenal. Especially the little misogynistic microaggressions that continue to happen to her. Like it's little things like her getting in the elevator with all of those men yeah. when she's going up to see Crawford. And when her and her friend are out running on the trail and they're like quizzing each other and they run past a group of guys yeah. who all turn and look at them. And it's so well played to be like she is a woman in a man's field, but she's the one excelling at it. My girlfriend pointed this out. She was like, I didn't realize how much this movie is about the male gaze. There are a lot of scenes that show mm-hmm. men staring at her as an object, which yeah. I didn't really like looking yeah. at her. And then on the r- car ride back, when she's in the car with Crawford after they do the coroner's exam, Crawford is like, yeah, I guess he said something kind of sexist to the chief of police. Yeah. And then he's like, you know, I was just joking, right? And she stands there and she's like, well, she doesn't say she's sitting in the back of the car, but she's like, no, it's important that you don't ever do that. Again. Yeah. 
Because she says the the local police look to you to see how to act. And he's like, point taken. This whole subtext had just gone over my head for the last six times I've seen this movie. So I was glad that like seeing this movie, I was like, oh, this movie is really well layered. And even the, I don't know if you read in the trivia how Jonathan Demi was so specific to Every time a character speaks to Clarice, they look straight into camera. But when she speaks to someone, she's looking off. And it's meant to put us in her perspective. So we're constantly seeing things through her eyes. And I was like, what a phenomenal way to plug us into, which is, I think is why like we see all of these little things, because it's like, if it was you experiencing it, you would notice every little way that the system essentially is trying to put you in your place and to see her like fight back at it and just be like, even if this man is my superior and is like, you should chill because I have to do this. Yeah. Like, no, she's going to say something. Yeah. And that's why Clarice Starling is the best ever. Uh, okay. So <laughs> I'll just tell you, I picked for my Clarice Shailene Woodley. That's a good pick. I think that's funny because... You haven't said it yet, but for all the reasons that we talked about before, I I think I picked my actress for probably similar reasons. Shailene Woodley from Big Little Lies, Big Little Lies, the, the Divergent, Divergent series. series. What else? Is she? Secret Life of the American Teenager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, especially in Big Little Lies, I feel like sort of embodies the same spirit that Clarice has. Yeah, that like she's a maybe a little more like tortured as a character. But I could just, I could see her being the one who, like, doesn't give up. She's certainly not, like, dainty and, like, ultra feminine. Not that that matters. But I think it helps us to visualize her as, like, again, like, I think the way Jodie Foster played her was so spot on with her being, like, the like, when she goes from, like, running on the course to then going to meet Hannibal, and you see this like weird shift from like her like working out to her being fully like done up and ready to do her job and be out in public. Yeah. It's this like weird moment where you're like, oh, she's got like like she knows how to play it. But that's not like she's not the person who like puts on a face for other people. Yeah. Did you do all these drawings, doctor? That is the Duomo scene from the Belvedere. All that detail just from memory, sir? Memory agent starting is what I have instead of a view. Well... Perhaps you'd care to lend us your view on this questionnaire, sir. No, 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 no. You were doing fine. You had been courteous and receptive to courtesy. You had established trust with the embarrassing truth about Migs. And now this ham-handed segue into your questionnaire, it won't do. I'm only asking you to look at this, doctor. Either you will or you won't. And so I liked Shailene Woodley for sort of being that honest version. I uh, I think it's a pretty good pick. Okay. I, I picked an actress who's also in Big Little Lies. <gasps> what? And also in the Divergent series. Is it? Can I guess? <laughs> yeah, you can guess. Is it Zoe Kravitz? Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I I think we're just kind of going to overlap all these like accolades about how we think Clarice is, you know. But I guess specifically I thought Clarice is tenacious. Uh-huh. And... I kind of wanted someone who could be that same way. I think it was hard for me to kind of think that they could be also very patient like Jodie Foster is. Like Jodie Foster has this very kind of calm patience throughout the movie, except when she's just trying to like, you know, get the information from Hannibal. Like she's trying to get the case. But 
she's so diligent at her job that I thought I thought an actress like Zoe Kravitz could you know it's it's funny because like Zoe Kravitz oftentimes they put her in these roles like love interest or sometimes it's like oh here's like a weird sexy character for you to play I would like mm-hmm. I want I wanted to give her something where it's more like you are a young up-and-coming agent who will not be trifled with and you have to navigate all of this sort of sexism in your field but also you have to go into places that not a lot of people would ever fucking go mm-hmm. and I and I could see her on screen doing that kind of thing like would you ever go into that fucking garage would you go into Hannibal Lecter's private storage garage as a storage unit yes I don't know if I would have like cozied up in that car and been like here we go would you have gone alone at night to meet that weird old German dude who didn't help her at all. I will tell you something I realized watching this movie is that if I had had my wits about me as a younger person, I probably would have aspired to do this job. Really? Yeah, I <laughs> I love the idea of like behavioral science and um I enjoy the study of serial killers. <laughs> so I think honestly if it was my job to sort of like get to the bottom of them I wouldn't, because I'm not easily spooked, I think it might be easier for me to get in there, figure it out. It sounds fun. I mean, maybe it's not too late. (laughs) Maybe it's not too late. No, Brian, it's too late. (laughs) Well, podcasting seems a lot safer. The the second I signed that check to USC, (laughs) it was over. Okay, let's get to the uh, main course of lamb chops here. The Hannibal Lecter. (laughs) So when thinking about Hannibal, I, I... I did think a little bit about the first time we meet Hannibal when the camera's panning down the hall and there's all these maniacs basically like mm-hmm. going bananas. And then it comes to Hannibal and he's just sort of standing there in the cell mm-hmm. properly, calmly. And you you know, you get from this that he's probably the worst of anyone down here mm-hmm. because he's highly intelligent. Yeah. So the actor that I picked, I was like, they have to be highly intelligent. He has to charm you in a lot of ways. Hannibal really... Mm-hmm. Even in, um, I mean, especially in the show version, but even in this one, um, Hannibal charms you. Even when he goes and meets the senator to make that deal and he's behind the iconic, like, gag mask and he's, Mm -hmm. like, being wheeled, he's still kind of charming. Buffalo Bill's real name is Louis Friend. We need his address and a physical description. Tell me, Senator, did you nurse Catherine yourself? What? Did you breastfeed her? Now, wait a minute. Yes, I did. Toughened your nipples, didn't it? Oh, son of a bitch. Amputate a man's leg and he can still feel it tickling. Tell me, Mom, when your little girl is on the slab, where will it tickle you? I think I did right at the end of it all. I was like, I think that one of the best things about this movie is that I, I, you may disagree, but I don't dislike Hannibal Lecter. I don't think you're supposed to. And I think that's the most beautiful thing about it. Like he is, you consciously realize that he is the worst and that part of that is because he knows exactly what he's doing. Like there's a lot of criminals that by some circumstance or another, like they are completely out of their minds. Like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And still, I think part of it is his sort of softness and his like gentleness. He cares for Clarice. Yeah. He can't quite read her. He legitimately cares. Like the whole reason he gives her the fake clue is because he's like, oh, I never would have like I never would have condoned something like that. And then he kills 
the other inmate that, you know. He has standards. Yeah. And Clarice is the only interesting thing that has probably come his way in so many years. Mm-hmm. And like he says at the end, it's like the world is better off with you in it. Mm-hmm. So he's going to leave her alone. Yeah. So I wanted to pick someone who was charming. Okay. Who could play intelligent. Okay. And who could also kind of, you know, scare the crap out of you maybe. Okay. I don't know if he's ever played a character like this. <laughs> and he's a lot younger than Anthony Hopkins was. I picked Jude Law. Hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> Jude Law is Kenna's favorite actor, maybe ever. <laughs> but I think he nobody is... plays a younger version of a character like Jude Law. <laughs> <laughs> I just think he's so charming, and he's such a great character actor that we are only now getting to see. Yeah, that this That's role true. could be—he could play so many different uh, avenues with a character like this. That it would be something that we haven't yet seen really before, mm-hmm. but also still being that sort of intelligent, calculating, manipulative, charming, serial murderer that we all kind of come to love. That we all kind of like. Okay, so I'll say this. He was on my list. See? See? Thank you. <laughs> but the thing that ultimately made me say no was because I found him to be a little too young. But I don't dislike the choice. I don't think age is really like, I mean, obviously Hannibal shouldn't be 30 years old. Right. I mean, I haven't read any of the books either, but I don't, I I don't know. It, it just seems like, what's the I, difference? Nine years? I think, uh, Come here's, on. here's, <laughs> I think here's the thing that bugs me about the age is that ultimately I'm afraid that if he was younger, it would seem like he's attracted to her. And I'm not, I don't think that's the intention of the character. Right, but I don't think that just by casting a younger person, you're necessarily meant to infer that. But it's um, Jubas. So. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like Zoe Kravitz too. With we've together. already we've already been that thing. Maybe this is the sexiest we- Clarice <laughs> and Hannibal in history. But we've already done that thing where they cast him as the Pope, and everybody was like, "Am I attracted to the Pope?" Yes. Yeah, you are, because it's Jude freaking Law. Um, I still like the pick. I just still think that he. Like when she comes back to visit him again and he's mm-hmm. just like sitting in the dark. Jack Crawford is helping your career, isn't he? Apparently he likes you and you like him too. I never thought about it. Do you think Jack Crawford wants you sexually? True, he is much older, but do you think he visualizes scenarios, exchanges, fucking you? That doesn't interest me, doctor. Frankly, it's it's the sort of thing that Miggs would say. Not anymore. That sort of cat and mouse relationship that they have, not really cat and mouse, but like Mm mentor-mentee, you know, it takes a monster to catch a monster, I think would be really interesting with a guy who's just now coming into his character acting renaissance, although let's forget about King Arthur for a minute. But I really, I just think- He was fine. It was the the movie that was terrible. (laughs) Right. Like, don't pretend like you're not going to see Jude Law's Silence of the Lamb, you know? That's true. I will say one last thing for Jude Law. The thing that I find the most interesting about doing a younger pick is, on the flip side of things, is that ultimately the character in the book is based on Ted Bundy in a lot of ways Uh because it's based off of the um, interviews that, what's his name, Robert Keppel did with Bundy, who is young, attractive, fit. He's like a Zac Efron type, right? (laughs) 
I, I have zero patience for that. He's a Zac Efron type. Apparently, Apparently he is. Apparently so. Zac Efron, Ted Bundy, 2019. The most jacked version of Ted Bundy. Um, but so I, I like the idea that it, his charm comes from that place of like he knows when he smiles, people are going to pay attention to him. Like he knows when he asks for someone's help that they're going to do it because there's just something to that. And Jude yeah. Law has that sort of quality. Okay. Okay. Gosh, I have to make my choice. Oh, my gosh. Um. Okay. So, yeah, I had trouble with Hannibal because the main thing that I love about Anthony Hopkins' performance, Sir Anthony Hopkins, is he a knight? Yep. Who apparently is a lovely fellow, uh-huh. is that there is something like Shakespearean about, he's not, he's not like playing it as like a British person, but there's something very theatrical and lovely about like he's describing to you that he ate a census taker's liver and just the lilt of his voice is hmm. like you're not like ooh, you're like oh that's lovely a census taker once tried to test me i ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice chianti and so i was picking people that i thought had that same sort of shakespearean acting quality and i've I've made my decision. Even though there's an actor that I would love to see do this, I think I've made my decision. I picked David Tennant. How old is David Tennant? He's 47. So only two years older than Jude Law? Wait, is Jude Law 45? Apparently. (laughs) Apparently. Okay, first of all, I think that's a great pick. But if you're going to get on my (laughs) case about ageism. Ageism? If you're going to get on my case about age of actors that we choose for Hannibal, (laughs) and your actor's only two years older than mine? Okay, whatever. Yeah, Jude Law is only 45. David Tennant, 47. Huh. Jude Law looks great. Jude Law looks <laughs> He phenomenal. might as well be 35. Um, I think David Tennant is an excellent choice. David Tennant, if you don't know, was in a season of Doctor Who. He also played... Uh, Excuse me? He was in four seasons oh, of Doctor know. Who. I, I thought they rotate every season. No. Oh, okay. He was, he, he was... I'll say it. The best Doctor. Okay. He played Kilgrave on Jessica Jones, which was a phenomenal, mm-hmm. almost similar like performance. Yeah, he so was sort of like a like a tormentor. Yeah, of sorts. Yeah, he's definitely capable. I'm just still like, what the fuck? Like, you're mad at me? Yeah. <laughs> here's okay. Here's a moment. That you don't think I... people are gonna be like, ooh, David Tennant? Like, he's a good looking guy too. I mean, he's yeah. no Jude Law, but <laughs> who is? Here's the thing. I almost lost my see. <laughs> I feel like the way, like, you get excited about superhero movies, I get excited about movies like this. Like, when I watch, like, Zodiac, like, (laughs) I'm (laughs) that level of excited. Um, But there was, like, a moment where it's when Hannibal agrees to take the, like, survey from Clarice. And he picks it up and he sort of, like, leans against the glass and, like, winks at her. And it's this, like, extremely subtle, beautiful piece of acting that it's, like, moments like that where I'm, like, who can do something like that Mm -hmm. and get away with it? Who can do something that would be considered broad, would be considered wildly eccentric, I think, in a lot of other ways, but we don't like we don't think that it just fits so perfectly. And I love the idea of David Tennant uh, sort of taking on the mantle because I think he's great. Yeah, I think it'd be great in those quid pro quo scenes, which I thought were phenomenal, like the way that he that Hannibal just kind of like he doesn't give any more than he wants to. Yeah. Yeah. If I help you, Clarice, it will be turns with us, too. 
quid pro quo. I tell you things, you tell me things. Not about this case, though. About yourself. Quid pro quo. Go, Doctor. What is your worst memory of childhood? Death of my father. Tell me about it and don't lie right now. And he knows that no matter what he gives up, it's always going to be less than what she gives up. Because, like, her, yeah. Clarice's personal life is more important to him than this Buffalo Bill information is to her. Yeah. Which is weird. I don't know. Or maybe I meant that the other way. Like, Clarice is going to give up whatever it takes to get this these clues to find this killer. Yeah. I think I heard but it what the she, right way around. Yeah, but what she gives up is, like, too precious. Like, all right. Those are pretty good picks. I'm I, I'm going to ask you off mic who your other one was because I had a few others that I thought would have been pretty interesting too, but um, I like who I got and I like who you got. So why don't we move on to... Cool. we did it. <laughs> why don't we move on to Buffalo Bill? Like, I think this one might have been harder. This one was tough, mostly because Ted Levine is everything. Ted Levine is so funny. Like, he's in two of my favorite movies as wildly different people. He's in this as like the deranged Buffalo Bill. Uh-huh. And then he's also in Heat as like one of Al Pacino's oh. cops. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's weird to see him. I, w- I want to make sure that's right because I, I don't want to. <laughs> he was in Heat? Mm-hmm. Plus he Bosco. is an actor who I get so excited when I see him in things. Because I'm like, oh, look who's about. Did you watch The Alienist at all? Uh, no. The miniseries on mm-hmm. TNT. I know I mean, of it, yeah. Who gets who? TNT? But he plays a really small role. But I just remember being like, oh my gosh, it's Ted Levine. Like, you just you just know. Like, he's definitely one of the actors doing this podcast that I have, like, on a list. That I'm like, I can't wait yeah. to plug him into the perfect thing. Hasn't happened yet. He, but- like, um, it's so weird when he pops up because you're like, oh my god, that's Buffalo Bill. And it's also so strange that Buffalo Bill has... Buffalo Bill has kind of become, like, one of the best impressions. Like, there was, like, years when people were just, like, doing a Buffalo Bill impression. I remember, like, there's always, like, I don't know. It's like every guy can do a Buffalo Bill impression. It's really strange. Do it. Well, I'm sick already, so, like, my normal voice But, like, sounds, do the weird, do the weird, like, I need to play all the, the horses are dead. on its skin. And then go to, but the fucking fucking Don't impress us. Don't impress us. I'd fuck me. Would you fuck me? It's so good. Okay. <laughs> so who went first last? I went first last I time. I will go. And I I feel like I picked a weird choice. And then I brought it back down to another weird choice that made a little more sense. Okay. So I went with Shia LaBeouf. What? <laughs> That's right. I said it. Shia LaBeouf. What is going on in this cast? This is so crazy. <laughs> Why is that crazy? Could you not see? I let, let me be frank. I think Shia LaBeouf is a great actor. He is. And I think he's getting a bad rap because of his public persona where he's doing all these weird art Which things. Which is nuts. Which is fine. But you know what? Let him do his weird art stuff. His performances have generally been... Mm-hmm. tremendous he's very like honest he's a very true actor i don't know Ugh. i don't know i mean could he do it yeah he could yeah i just i you don't know you can see him being like wait a minute was she a big fat lady what's the problem officer well i'm investigating the death of frederica bimmel your name is oh uh, jack gordon well frederica used to work for mrs Lipman. did you know her no uh-uh. oh wait 
Was she a great big fat person? <laughs> oh yeah. Was she a great big fat person? <laughs> I'm okay. I'll okay. I just wow, was, this is really sending you for well, a loop, and it's n- it's not that crazy. What's funny is that like he would take a role like this. Yeah, one hundred percent. I was gonna fight you on it, but I think it's actually a pretty good pick. It's just weird. It's just out of the. It's really out of the box. You know what I mean? I think you would have been even more weirded out by the <laughs> by my second choice. So we'll, we'll talk about I wanted, that later. I know. I really want to know who your second choices were. <laughs> um. Okay, Shia. You know what's funny? I would I would watch that. Yeah, absolutely, you would. Um, I picked an actor who has, he's been around something, so I'm not sure exactly how many people know who he is. Okay. Um, when I first saw him, he was on a very popular TV show on Netflix. He scared the bejesus out of me and he, he played a character that was just such a, such an asshole, but he has this body type that I think Buffalo Bill needs. Like, I think Buffalo Bill needs to be that like big... Like a little imposing. Yeah. Like, oh, God, the scene, my least favorite scene in this whole movie, filled with, like, horrible, horrible things, uh-huh. is the scene where Buffalo Bill captures Catherine in the van. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole time you're like, don't help this guy. The thing that I think makes that so terrifying is that it is absolutely true. Like, that, that that's how, like, Ted Bundy would have, like, a cast on his arm and ask people yeah. for, ask women for help. And because he seemed like a nice guy, they were like, yeah, sure, I'll help, like, you put things in your, no, don't walk over to some man's car. I mean, they didn't know this in, like, the 70s. People, people were not aware. But, but like, finding the head in the yeah. garage, whatever, looking at the dead bodies, whatever. I mean, the finale is really scary, but it's that moment when you realize that it's like this girl's going to die because. Yeah. Because of something so simple. Uh, get in a truck and I want to push it all the way up. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Push yeah, it all the way back. Is this good? That's great. Okay. Hey, see, are you about a size 14? Sorry. <laughs> And it's so masterfully done because like moments before we see her in such a normal moment, like we only need two minutes and we're like, I like her. Yeah. Like she's just, she's like me. And so you, the fact that you see it coming. Yeah. I like can't watch it every time it's on. I'm like, that's, that's the one scene I don't watch. It's bad. I picked an actor by the name Pablo Schreiber. Porn stash. Porn stash from Orange is the New Black. And he plays uh, a leprechaun in American Gods. But he, um, I think he's really talented. And I think he, like, in Orange is the New Black, he kind of plays, like, the officer who terrorizes all the women. Yeah. So I immediately was like, hmm, okay, I'll keep that in mind. But also in American Gods, he has this crazy energy that at times, like, kind of dives into the insane. And I was kind of like, I think this guy could pull off, like, a a Buffalo Bill, you know, Mm -hmm. a guy who's living in, like, did he kill the woman? Did Buffalo Bill kill that woman? The wo- the house that he's living in? He killed her, right? Yeah. Jodie Foster finds the woman in the bathtub, right? Mm. She's like dissolving away in a bathtub. Oh, that I'm not sure of. But I mean, I think they hint at that because the whole point is he wants like larger women to make <coughs> his skin suit out of. <clears throat> yeah. There was a couple things when um, Jodie Foster goes through that house a little bit that I was kind of, I didn't notice. Like when she busts through, I think there are body parts in like fish tanks that I didn't realize were there. Yes. But also, there were like, he had like a Nazi duvet. 
he had like a cross stitch with like swastikas on it. Why not? And I kept being like, <laughs> so that's a little like a hat on a hat, don't you think? Like he's already like he's already a serial he's killer. Already a serial killer. Like <laughs> he doesn't have to be a white supremacist. Yeah, it was just really strange. I mean, like, all right, like that was just something that popped in my head. But I that's think this funny. guy Pablo Schreiber is like a really good actor, and I think he could play. I think we don't we haven't seen a lot from him, and I yeah, and I think this could be a kind of banana role. That's a really that's a really good choice because there is something off about him. But I remember like the I think the first time I ever saw him anything was Orange is the New Black. And then I saw him like maybe in like a low budget horror movie a little later. And I was like, oh, this guy. Yeah. Like I I think he's I think he's talented in the fact that we do see him at least a little bit because he's not in later seasons, but we do see him yeah. a little bit. And his character is the one who specifically takes pleasure in torturing the inmates. Yeah. Like there's, he, there's a sadistic there's thing. There's something there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's That's move on to uh, Catherine. Um, uh, I'm going to get on my soapbox a tiny bit about Catherine because, okay, she's a plus size woman. That's the point of her character. Uh-huh. Is that he wants large women that he can like start? <laughs> that's that's such a weird detail where they're like he stars them a little so that their skin gets loose. Like oh. somebody says that, and I'm like, Duh. um. And so I was like, I felt very certain that I was like, great, I'm gonna find because uh, Brooke Smith gained 25 pounds to play this part, and I was like, no, 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 I'm gonna find a plus size actress to do this because there should be more, and it just frustrates me immensely and it got even more frustrating because then I could not find a normal size woman to play this part but you went last so you go first okay <laughs> so I didn't go that way I wanted to pick someone who was younger mm-hmm. and I wanted to pick someone who could sort of have that fight that Catherine has mm-hmm. so I picked an actress from a, a show on Netflix that I'm not sure if many people saw but I picked an actress named Sydney Sweeney from Everything Sucks. And I guess she's going to be in Under the Silver Lake. Hmm. And she plays this kind of older classman, kind of this like 90s punk girl. And I, what I liked about her was that um, I think Catherine's biggest moments are in that well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really her only moments. Yeah. You know? But um, the fact that she like wa- being able to see someone in that situation fight back and and sort of get the upper hand on her tormentor I thought was really important for this character and so I wanted someone who in that moment when she gets precious down into the well mm-hmm. was, wasn't was going to give it up she's yeah. like I'm either going to die down here with this fucking dog and you're not going to get anything that you want or I'm going to get the hell out of here down here you sack of shit you're in that bucket now you give me a telephone and lower it down here now the precious darling how are you alright She's in a lot of pain, mister. She needs a vet. She broke her leg on the way down. I know it. She's been licking Hey, don't you hurt my dog! Don't you make me hurt your dog! Hey, you don't know what pain is! At least in the show that I saw her in, she reminded me of that kind of mm-hmm. fire. I think that's what you need down in that horrible well. Mm-hmm. Did he make that well? What was going on in this well? I mean, it was probably there. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Why isn't it outside? <laughs> I think that was a thing. Maybe. I don't know. I think he made it. It's insane. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So I did pick a plus size actress. I felt very strongly about it. And I picked a woman named Melanie Field. She plays Heather Chandler in the Heather's reboot that I watched 15 minutes of. <laughs> and I mean, hot take. The show is garbage. 
but she is great. I have no idea who this person is. Yeah, she's like super new and up and coming, and I'm not sure Heather's is going to get her anywhere, but I thought she was really great, and I think she could be wonderful. All right. Well, I hope I see her in something. Yeah. Watch the Heather's pilot. (laughs) Or like 10 minutes of it. That's really all you need to get it. All right, let's move on to Jack Crawford, played by Scott Glenn. Jack, um, I mean, what's there to say about Jack other than he's like, I'm the boss of the FBI. You know who plays Jack in Hannibal? Who? Lawrence Fishburne. Um, okay. And I couldn't, like, get that out of my head. I was like, man. Mm, okay. Fish. Would have been great. <laughs> um, You know who else would have been great for this? An actor that we constantly cast. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> I was I, like, this role is perfect for old I thought I thought the same thing. But uh, I wanted to challenge myself for Barry yeah. Pepper, so I didn't put him then, in yeah. there, but... Barry, I I know that's this Barry, role. Barry, we is for know you. you're worth this role. We know what you're. We know what you're good for. Why don't you go first? Okay, so I the thing I love about Scott Glenn in this role is that even though we get maybe a bit of Hannibal's read on him, we don't. We just don't know that much about him. He's very stone faced and serious, but obviously very generous. I mean, he gives a rookie a major. Yeah. A major case. Anyway, I picked Mahershala Ali. Oh, that's a really good one. Because I see him as this sort of very serious, probably like isn't going to show his emotion as a cop, but has a lot of stuff going on underneath the surface. I want your full attention, Starling. Be very careful with Hannibal Lecter. Dr. Chilton at the asylum will go over all the physical procedures used with him. Do not deviate from them for any reason whatsoever. And you're to tell him nothing personal, Starling. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. And what's nice about Jack, I mean, he definitely, like, cares for Clarice, but did you get, I mean, we're talking about, like, you know, the male gaze and the kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, the misogyny that Clarice has to face every moment that she's at this academy. At the graduation, when he shakes her hand, I don't know, this time watching it, I got this weird sense that, like, Jack has now considered, like, there's a moment where they look at each other, they shake hands, and in that moment, I'm like, I think Jack is thinking about sleeping with her. Hmm. And what was weird is that, like, immediately after, she gets a phone call from Hannibal, who has never had that inclination ever. And I was just kind of like, I wonder if he played it like that to emphasize that Hannibal is even more of a mentor to Clarice than Jack, because he will never have that sexual desire for her in any way, shape, or form. Did you think, though, did you think that when Hannibal says that to her? Or was no, it only at the end? it's only in the end. It's okay. only at that handshake where it's like, there was just something about the way I think Jodie Foster, like, looked at his hand hmm. or that they looked at each other that I was just like... There's a weird energy there? This might just be me, but I, I was just like, that's so... If that's true, then it'd be so interesting to then immediately have Hannibal come in and be the only one left in this movie mm-hmm. who had zero sexual context with, mm-hmm. with Clarice. Dr. Lecter. Don't bother with the trace. I won't be on long enough. Where are you, Dr. Lecter? I have no plans to call on you, Clarice. The world's more interesting with you in it. So you take care now to extend me the same courtesy. You know I can't make that promise. I do wish we could chat longer, but... I'm having an old friend for dinner. I think sometimes I get really excited when I think of an actor for a role. Uh And I'm just like, yes, him. 
And then it's like, b- like why character specific? Right. So this is one of these instances. So I'm okay. going to tell you who I picked and then I'm going to try and maybe hope to explain why I picked him. I picked Guy Pierce. Solid choice. Um, Have you ever seen L.A. Confidential? No, we've talked about this. Uh, one of my favorite movies, Guy Pierce plays essentially a character who is a younger Jack Crawford. He, mm. he plays like the do-good cop who is only going to play by the book until he can't play by the book anymore. And I think that's sort of Jack in a nutshell where he's like, I'm going to do everything that I can by the book, but I'm also sometimes going to go around the book. Like when he sends Clarice in there without her really knowing why she's there, mm. when he has her present Hannibal with the fake offer mm-hmm. to live on like Pig Island or whatever it was, Plum Island. Jack is someone who's like, you know, I'm a good agent. I'm going to do everything I can. But he's also going to kind of like mm-hmm. bend the rules. And yeah. so I kept thinking like that's just an older version of this character that he played in L.A. Confidential. So that's kind of why my mind gravitated towards him. Interesting. I just also love Guy Pierce. I think he's, like yeah, he's an great. actor. And I don't know why he's not in more stuff. It's odd that he like shows up to play like, what is he, the villain in? Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3. Yeah. Like I, because I remember even seeing him then and being like. Why is Guy Pierce taking this role? Like, what is I? Yeah, I think he's great. I'm not sure what his career is doing, but he was maybe because he's a little bit older, right? He's currently 50. Oh, which okay. is Scott Glenn's age when Scott Glenn made this movie. Interesting. Perfect casting. <laughs> FYI, guys, Brian cast this movie before he watched it. <laughs> I just know this movie. I was like, oh, I know who I want. Okay. Boom, boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Whatever. Well, great, guys. We did our top five. We did it. Um, why don't we get to where does Barry Pepper go? Yeah. This one was hard. It was like, man, Barry Pepper should be Jack Crawford. But yeah, I had that exact same thought. And I was like, oh, I want to challenge myself and like put him in a role that like, you know, maybe would be interesting for her. I ended up giving him one of the cops. I gave him Sergeant Tate. Oh. Okay. The guy with the cool mustache, the like thin, long mustache, mm-hmm. who I guess was played by a is musician. That, is that a cool mustache? I thought it was cool. <laughs> it's not like a strong mustache, but it's an interesting choice. But mm. yeah, the the guy who leads the um, charge up into the hotel, like where did they put him? Like it's this like- is another example of police <laughs> blunder in a movie that I cannot get over. Hannibal yeah. Lecter is one of the most dangerous mass murderers on planet Earth. And instead of bringing him to a federal penitentiary they put him in like a penthouse suite it's like uh where there's no security and then when they give him a meal they just have like two cops there's no one trained on him at Mm -hmm. all just uh, drives me nuts anyway so sergeant tate is the commander who leads the charge up to find hannibal when he escapes from yeah that whole sequence is just flawless yeah it's so good because like we're all convinced that he's made it out Ugh. I actually love the imagery of like the sort of like angel wings yeah. of oh my gosh that shot is so beautiful and then his like with the music guys this movie is amazing okay so I cast Barry Pepper as Precious <laughs> based on the novel Push by Sapphire no I cast Barry Pepper as Lieutenant Boyle who um, along with being a character in Brooklyn Nine Nine is um, one of the cops that he murders when they bring them. Is he the one who gets his hands cuffed to the... Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was between those, like... Yeah, it was between those, like, three people, really. All the extra sort of cops. Yeah, I was like... But he's not young enough to be the sort of, like, scared cop. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was like, all the other characters are kind of like weird looking. I was like, I don't think Barry Pepper could really. I don't know. It just was. Barry like, Pepper's a good looking guy. He doesn't deserve to be a wacky. Like I was trying to be creative, and I think I was just forced into an uncreative. Uh, mm. Anyways, any other uh, little morsels about this movie? Did you know that there's a musical version of this movie? No. So when I was in high school, uh, I did forensics, a.k.a. speech and debate. Uh-huh. Um, and so I did our my senior year, the like uh, group performance that we took to state was a version of Silence of the Lambs the musical, <laughs> which is called Silence the Musical, um, which you should look up and listen to some of the music for. I literally can't hear him say, are you about a size 14 without thinking about it in like a show tune version. Are you about a size 14? Are you about a size 14? In order to get victims, you gotta lie and trick them. So I put my arm inside a sling. I've got her in my sight. She's appropriately fat. With any luck, she'll notice me. I hope she fed her cat. I wonder, can she really be as perfect as she seems? Is she about a size 14? That's crazy. Yeah, it's weird. I Super really weird. want to watch it now. I <coughs> can, like, remember... Uh, watching this movie for the first time i think it was edited for television uh-huh. and the scene that w- triggers me forever is the night vision oh Goggles. like hearing them turn on you're like oh my god and just like the oh him like uh because w- one of my biggest fears actually <laughs> let's just chat about it my biggest fear is waking up and somebody being in my bedroom Ooh. yeah and so I feel like that sort of like the root of that fear is similar, like the idea of someone watching you and you being unaware that it's of where they are and what's yeah. going on. And so I like when he like reaches out for her, I'm just cringing. Talk about male gaze. Yeah, <laughs> very true. This is the last thing. And this is so dumb. But at the party when she graduates, the FBI cake is cut so perfectly <laughs> the background actress who had to cut that cake that woman deserves an oscar she cuts <laughs> a perfect triangle out of it and i'm so mesmerized by maybe it. they just cast the woman who made it and they were like we just need somebody who knows how to cut a cake and she's like uh I'll it's just, beautiful i'll do it it's beautiful and they it's were like, like yeah you know what you're doing all right guys i hope you enjoyed listening to my sick voice on this episode of the boot sick please rate and subscribe if you like this episode and check out our other episodes we do so many great movies that maybe you uh yeah there's something for everybody something for everybody kenna how can these people find us online you can find this podcast on apple Podcasts, stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts give us a search you can find us on social media together as a team working together on Twitter at the Boot Podcast and on Instagram at Boot Podcast. You can find me on all social media at Kenna Trent. You can find Brian there at Flynn B. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> That's so weird, and nobody can see what you're doing. <laughs> I, I, tucked it, I tucked it back, and I'm doing the dance. Oh, hard fuck me. <laughs>